Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. First Corinthians chapter number 11, if I had to title the message, I would title it, The Manner Matters. The manner matters. First Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse number 27. The Bible says, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread. Notice it's bread, not a wafer. Uh, and also notice there was no interest in Paul under the Holy Spirit's inspiration at calling it at all by any means the body of Christ. We went through that last week when we talked about transubstantiation. We really need to really just read the Bible, believe the Bible. And that will cause us, uh, it, it, it will save us from being duped by Rome is what it will do if you just read it and believe it. But also, it, you know, and I, and I said this prior, it says eat this bread. It's supposed to be unleavened bread. I know that, you know, we use, you know, there's different wafers and all that. It's supposed to be bread. It says bread. It's supposed to use bread. Um, and then it says, wherefore, in the beginning, and when you see that wherefore, it's trying to bring into context everything that was previously stated before you got to the wherefore. And so that's what's happening. Everything that we've gone over now is coming into, should come into your mind. Wherefore, in other words, because of all that I've said previously, uh, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. We did a lot on that on the transubstantiation lesson last Thursday. But what I'd like to look at is not to do this in an unworthy manner. Verse 27 is starting to draw out all that I said previously. Now I want you to recognize the manner matters. Don't do it in an unworthy manner. And notice we're playing uh, some word. I'm not trying to play word games with you, but there's some words here I'd like us to understand. The Bible says uh, in verse 27, drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. It doesn't say unworthy. It's not an adjective that's describing me. It's not an adjective that's describing you personally. It doesn't refer to my qualifications personally. It's not referring. About your qualifications. I'm not talking about that. It's not an adjective. Not whether or not I'm fit or you're fit. Personally, it says unworthily. That's an adverb, <laughs> not an adjective. So the Bible's got it right. Unworthily, it's describing the way or the mode, the manner in which you do it, the manner in which I do it matters. You and I have no individual personal worth. And what the church at Corinth got messed up is, yeah, they observed an ordinance. But the manner in which they observed that ordinance, well, they might as well have not even observed an ordinance because it ceased to become a New Testament ordinance when they messed the whole thing up. God's got a way. And God has a manner in which to do things. And he wants us to do them 
in the right manner. The manner matters. It's the same thing when we go out and preach the gospel and give out gospel tracts and do any type of public ministry. Are there some things that are important? Other than the gospel? Yeah, there are. Are there some other things that we should, uh, as Christians, be aware of? Yeah, they are. But not when we're witnessing, because what trumps all of that is the gospel. That's why we go out and we preach the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't try to get in arguments and... If the argument, if, if the questions start to come up about all of these rabbit trails, we try to quickly answer the question and then get back on track. So we're not fighting about the government or what do you think about end times or what do you think about all of these things that sure they're important. But if we go out and we do and we try to witness to the lost with the wrong manner. We're just going to mess the whole thing up. So what they did is they came together. Are physical meals important? They are. But the Corinthian church, there was no distinction. It was, The Lord's Supper was just like any everyday common meal. And so they messed the manner of it up. And the manner, became, it was an unworthy manner. We've talked about this before. We're so unworthy to even approach the Lord's table. Even when we say that we've been born again. And praise God we have been and praise the Lord we should give our testimony. But none of us were even worthy to receive eternal life. We're not worthy of that. We're not even worthy to say we're following Christ. We're Christ wants. Christ is first. Why? Because Christ is so worthy. John the Baptist said, whose shoes, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. He says that. Why did John say that? Because he's in such, he has such respect and such reverence for his Lord that he knows his place. And yes, we should walk with the Lord. And yes, we should observe his ordinances. And yes, we should obey his commands. All the while knowing that we are unworthy, even have our name mentioned in the same sentence with such a worthy Lord. And we praise God for that. Proverbs, it says, the heart of the wicked is little worth. That's our heart. Before it came to Christ. So if you believe by default. That personally and individually. We have no worth. Then. By default what I'm saying is. What comes to mind is that reverence for God. We're not to do this in an unworthily manner. A disrespecting manner. What did the Corinthians do? What did they do? They professed something, but they didn't possess something. The respect and the reverence for the Lord's Supper. It was just like going to Denny's to them. It was in any 
and any day, every day, ordinary meal. God help us not to be gluttons like the Corinthians. God help us not to have hearts filled with selfishness like the Corinthians. God help us to not be distracted from what really, really matters. And there was no distinction at all between the Lord's Supper and their everyday meal. You know, you get to going on Sunday, you know, the old Baptist jokes, you know, about, you know, well, we'll be out quarter to 12 on a Sunday and the first ones at the buffet. And, you know, we've all heard those jokes before. Look, they're funny to, to think about and laugh about now and then. But honestly, 15 more minutes communing around the word of God. And it would cause us to wait in line for 35 minutes to get physical food. I know at 11.30 on a Sunday morning, you're probably thinking, man, my stomach's growling and you get distracted. But really, when you weigh that out, who should get the preeminence in that? Your belly and my belly? Or the Lord? 15 more minutes of the word of God. Five more minutes singing an extra hymn. Well, mumble, mumble, rumble, rumble. We're going to be late for the Chinese buffet. Mumble, rumble, rumble. We're going to be late for the subway. We're going to we're going to have to wait in long line in line longer. You know, people do that. People do it all the time. You know where the Lord wants our hearts and minds affixed. On him. And if we can do that, the hunger pangs go away physically and you start to hunger more for the word of God. The Corinthian church messed that up. There was no distinction between the Lord's meal, Lord's supper, and their regular everyday supper. And as a result, what happened was it was a just lack of reverence. For the ordinance. For what God wanted them to do. Because of that. They didn't practice in a manner. That was worthy of showing forth. The Lord's death till he comes. You don't have a proper observance. You don't have an observance. You have an activity that you're doing. But it's not. It's just observed in contempt. God help us. Not to be. Like that. So the manner matters. First off, let's look at a few of this. We'll, we'll review. There's a manner of remembrance, number one. First Corinthians 11, verse 24. Uh, and when he gave thanks, he break it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. See that? And after the same also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying that this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye. As oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's a picturing. uh, It's a picturing of what? To show forth what? The Lord's death till he come. It's a remembrance. It's a picturing. It's not a sacrifice over again. And it is not another means of receiving graces by way of review. No, we went over that last 
Thursday, but you can't say that enough. So there's the manner of remembrance, and then there's the manner of where. These manners matter. Look at verse number 18. Where? Where? For first of all, when you come together in the church. That is referring to, if you're going to come together, it means you're coming outside of your individual homes and coming together to a place. Whether it's a church house, maybe it is a personal residence. But you're coming, you're, you're, you're coming together to a place to do this. Verse number 20, we see the same principle throughout the whole chapter, really. Watch what it says. When you come together, therefore, into one place. Believers. Coming out of a place and coming into one place. That would mean they would be together. Look at verse number 22. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? <laughs> You've got your personal residence. You do your regular eating and drinking there. Don't you all have that? <laughs> okay. Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you on this? I praise you not. They're coming together as a church to a church house. To a one place, if you will. They're not coming to the church and it's the building we know that they're coming together and that makes the body of christ melded together well they all have to sit with each other they have to communicate with each other they have to worship the lord together we see it in verse number 33 wherefore my brethren when ye come together to eat carry one or another we see it the same thing at the end of the chapter verse 34 and if any man hunger let him eat at home that ye come not together unto condemnation coming in together in one place so if you haven't figured it out by now when somebody says well i'll just do it in private okay well you're doing it in a manner that the lord says isn't the way to observe it that's the wrong manner. The manner matters. And the way God set it up was you are to come together. You are to gather together. Well, I don't like sister so-and-so. I don't like brother so-and-so. Who cares? Come together. Come together. It's got nothing to do with what you want. It's what God said. And so we want to try to do that. You can't find doing this privately in the Bible. Well, I've got my favorite YouTube preacher and we just every Sunday morning, it's just, you know, me and the, well. People are against all these things that when they come to New Testament churches, well, I can't find Sunday school in the Bible. And I can't find midweek service in the Bible. And I can't find, well. You can't find YouTube in the Bible either, but your favorite YouTube preacher seems to be your go-to guy where it's your excuse to not fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Come together into one place, and that's what God wants. I listen to preaching on YouTube. I listen to the radio. I listen to other preachers. I get a blessing out of it. I'm sure you do as well. 
but not at the exclusion of my local church family. <laughs> the matter matters. It sure does. Well, it's in my home, and where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That's what every single rebellious daddy or mama says as their excuse to not get along with other families who don't see eye to eye with them on every single jot and tittle. Okay. Okay. Let's go to Matthew 18. It's, it's always great when people take a verse and that becomes their life verse, if you will, in that situation. But we don't really look at the context. So let's look at the context. That matters. Where do we see that? Matthew 18, it is in, uh, well, let's start reading a verse, verse number 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. There is a fault between you and somebody. It's pretty obvious. Go to that person. If you come to me and say, Hey, I'm having a problem with brother so-and-so. I'm probably going to say to you, well, what did brother so-and-so say when you talk to him? Sister so-and-so has been wearing me out on this. Oh, really? Well, what did sister so-and-so say to you when you went to her about it? Right? You got something between another brother or another sister. You go to that person. So that's pretty obvious. Verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Why are two and three needed? Accountability. <laughs> that's all through the Bible. Accountability. There's a problem. You went to brother so-and-so. It didn't work out. It either escalated or you couldn't see eye to eye or there's just still that disconnect. Grab two or three brothers or sisters in the church and get some accountability and see if you can get the thing worked out. You get two or three mature Christians and they're all going to say the same thing. You pretty much have it established. Okay. You're not going to the babe in Christ, the guy that just got saved off of, you know, living a bad lifestyle. Don't go to him. <laughs> you find some mature Christians that you can go to, that you can trust. That for the most part will tell you what the Bible says best they know how. You can trust that that accountability will bring forth. A really a good bit of wise counsel. So. Let's keep reading because we want to get to our point here. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. There's a manner in which you handle problems. Matthew 18, go to the individual. That don't work. You go to two or three. If that don't work, then you take them to people's court. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You don't take them to people's court. You take it before the church. You know why people don't want to do that anymore? 
because they don't want to deal with the preacher that's going to tell them what the Bible says. And it's just easier to sue somebody because you can pay a lawyer to get on your side. Even if you're wrong, you pay them enough, they'll agree with you. Everybody knows that, right? There's lawyers that are trained to take the criminal. I don't even think they would say they think the criminals are innocent. But that's that field of law where they have gotten into. We usually think because you've got a, 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 a secular lawyer that you're right. No. You go to that brother. Then you go to two or three. Then you go to the church. You don't have a fault between somebody and then you want to put it out on Facebook. You don't put it out to the world. Why would you tell the world? Why would you show that testimony to this lost and dying world? You certainly don't bring it to the preacher to bring it out in front of the church. So we can all bring the poor fella up in here and, you know, embarrass him and, you know, vote him in or vote him out or whatever it's going to do. Cast your lots and draw your straws. Go to the person. The manner matters. And we see it matters here as well. Verily, verse number 18, I send you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. If there's going to be church discipline, it better be approved by God. It better be what God wants. And you can find that by staying in his word. Verse 19, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask. It shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. Somebody's going to be excluded from fellowship. If someone's going to be disciplined, you better have two or three leaders that are getting the same mind to God about the issue to make sure you're doing it right. Now watch what it says. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Is there any room for a misunderstanding of what the context of this is? People that use this verse to stay out of church and not come to the Lord's Supper and not attend a local church and do, do their own little own ranger deal. The whole verse is in a context of, look, there's a disagreement and work it out. It's amazing to me. This is the verse they hang their hat on as to their spiritual reasoning, why they just cannot attend any fellowship. And the whole context is you got a problem. Go to the person. It's never you have a problem run home and start church, you know, living room Baptist. And if you got more than two in your family, you're good. And then if that don't work, go to two or three more. There's accountability. There's conversation. There's actually, gee, I don't know, relationships working itself out. Anybody ever hear that? And it ends with two or three are gathered. My name, I am in the midst of thee. God is in the midst of the faults and the conflicts he's in the midst and if we can just say you know what i'm just not going to be embarrassed if i have to be confronted by a bro 
I'm just not going to take it personal if two or three have to talk to me after church about something. I'm just going to be all right if it escalates. I'm not suing anybody in the church. I'm all right with it coming before the church and we'll have the church work it out. And you got two or three leaders that can establish something and get the same mind of God on something. You got yourself a good thing right there. That's why we need to be in church. And that's why we need to get the right manner concerning the Lord's Supper. And watch what else it says as we continue to read. Verse 21, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Good old Peter. You get a problem, he gives you three things to do. Go to the brother, go to two or three, then go to the church. And two or three gather my name, I'm in the midst of the, and then Peter comes out with, you mean I have to forgive people? <laughs> How many of you were forgiven from your sins? How many of you were washed in the blood of the Lamb? How many of you were given eternal life by the Lord of glory? And you would ask the question, how many times do I have to forgive? How many sinners has God forgiven? How many of your sins are just washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ, never to be brought up again? And you can't forgive brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. You know why? Because your thinking is just like the Corinthians were thinking. You're you. And you're selfish. And I'm me. And I'm selfish. So we're all just going to stay home, have our regular meal, maybe invite a neighbor over so we can get that three count. <laughs> we think we're good with God because we just quoted a verse out of context. When I got saved, I did my very, very best to be in church. And I went to churches. Where I didn't agree with them on a lot of things. But they had some really strong boots deep in the ground convictions about a lot of major doctrine that we got to have right. And I fellowshiped with them. And when the discussion came up about, well, what do you think of this and what do you think of that? Look, there was time when I was ready to charge through it. But then as I matured in the Lord and some older men helped me to mature in the Lord, you know what I did? I dialed it back. I don't need to win the argument. I don't need to, I don't need to lose a Christian friend over that. And I had to learn. I had to learn in some ways the hard way. God will grow you. He will make you stronger spiritually. If you can get along with those that might not see eye to eye with you on everything. And we do well to, to get a hold of that.
people listen online. We get emails now and then, or we'll get a visitor now and then. And, wow, I never heard someone preach on against the holidays like you did, Brother Jimmy. And that's just great. And I have to point out to them, I said, I I'm glad you got a blessing out of it. I said, but you got to keep in mind, there's many folks that come to our church that do celebrate the holidays. Oh, really? Yeah. And we love each other and we get along and we go and fight the world, not each other. Does that make sense? And, we, and I can go down the line with some, with, with some different doctrines that are important. <laughs> They're important to me. I have convictions about them. But there's something higher. It's called charity. It's called Christ died for you. And so why don't you just die to self and just allow that person some room to just breathe. <laughs> okay. And this whole idea of coming together is so that hopefully I can be a blessing to you. Hopefully you could be a blessing. And hopefully you could be a blessing here. And it's a body, a church family that functions together. We're stronger together. Or we can all come with our scopes on our rifles. Found the error on you. 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 Next thing you know, you're going to end up shooting yourself because there's enough error in yourself. There isn't one of us that has everything right. But we serve someone who is 100% right. And that is where our hearts and minds should be affixed on. And there's been many a sermons, many a sermons where I've sat in the pew thinking, that ain't right. That preacher don't have that right. The Lord had to work on me. And I'm not saying that to tell you, just throw your brain out the window and throw your Bible out the window and, and nothing matters anymore. We'll just love. You know I'm not telling you that. What I'm saying to you is there are hills worth dying on. And one of those hills are Find every possible reason that you can fellowship with the body of believers and do it to the blessing of the body. Don't think just of yourself. You're talking to a preacher that doesn't even. When people say, well, going to church isn't about you, you should just. I don't believe that fully. <laughs> if I go to church, I do expect some things. I expect the word of God to be opened. For me to learn. <laughs> you expect to come to a place where the word of God is preached. There is nothing wrong with that. You want to get fed. You're hungry. I'm hungry. I want to get fed. There's expectations. We're not lowering the bar. We're raising the bar. What I'm saying is there's got to come a point where, okay, We've got all of these 5, 10, 15 major doctrines that we're all good and straight on. Now, these, now the peripheral stuff, let it go. Let it go. You don't have, Ladies, you don't have to fight with your husband over every single thing. 
He's never going to be as neat as you. He's never going to be as clean as you. Just let it go. And fellas, your wife isn't always going to have the happy, slappy, you know, fun-loving mood that you want every single minute of the day. Okay? Get over it. And there's no reason to fight about all this petty stuff. Same thing with church. Get over your petty fights. All right, lastly, we're going to look at We looked at the manner of remembrance, the manner of where. Now we're going to look at the manner of perspective. And properly observing the Lord's Supper is really, a, it gives you a four-fold look. And we want to get all of these looks. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. The first look is back. And it's to the cross. We'll read verse number 24. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. When he had given thanks, he break and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup. When he stopped saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. It's a look back. A proper manner of observance always goes straight back to the source of you and I's salvation. Back to the source. you got to have that. Go to Hebrews 9. We'll get a cross-reference. Hebrews chapter number 9. Look at verse number 15. Hebrews 9, 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, there it is, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Looking back by that means of death, that's the first look. We've got to have that perspective. Go back to 1 Corinthians 11. The second look that we can't lose a perspective of is we need to look around 1 Corinthians 11 look at verses 25 and 26 after the same manner also he took the cup when he had stopped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. That pronoun ye, it's a plural pronoun. It's looking around. We're together. Go back to 1 Corinthians 10. We'll see the same thing even more clear. We have the look back to the cross, the source of our salvation. Now we have a look around First uh, Corinthians 10, verse 16. The Bible says. The cup of blessing, which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread, which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body for we are all partakers of that one bread we are a body 
We are a church family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a team. God put the team together. He's the leader. He's the captain. It's not only a look back. It is a look around. You got to have both because the manner matters. You have to look back. You have to look around. And then you have the look forward. We talked about this uh, a few times already. So I'll briefly park here, go to a few cross references. But let's look at the look forward. First Corinthians 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. What does Titus 2 say? Looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is a manner of looking forward. As we do it often, we're showing forth the Lord's death till he comes. People are looking for a lot of things nowadays. Well, Christians are. They should be looking for that blessed hope. Hebrews 9, uh, I should have asked you to stay there, but go back to Hebrews 9 because uh, this ties in with the look forward. Hebrews 9, right at the end of the chapter. Good verse for witnessing. Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Why do we get the gospel out so fervently? Why do I, why am I always pressing upon you the urgency? Because of this verse right here. Because it is appointed unto men once to die. And, 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 and after this, it ain't cupcakes and rainbows. Judgment. And there's no going back. You better get to that lost sinner. You better get to that friend. You better get to that neighbor. You, met, you better get to that loved one in the nursing home. You better get to whoever you've got to get to before they die. Because after they die, there's judgment. You ain't going to be able to get to them. Well, I'm embarrassed. Well, I'm scared. Well, I don't like confrontation. It is a point on the men wants to die, but after this, the judgment. If that ain't enough for you, then I got nothing else for you. That's what the Bible says. Watch. So Christ was once offered, once offered. It's not a continual sacrifice. It's not a mass every Sunday. To bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. There's a second coming of Christ. And he's not going to come to suffer for the sins of the world. He already did that. It's already done. Already, that prophecy has already been fulfilled. But there's a look back. There's a look around. By default, there's a look forward. And then lastly, there's a look inward. And we'll talk more about this next week.
But look at 1 Corinthians 11. Let's read verse 28. There's a look inward. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Here it is again, verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So from 28 and 31, look at 28. Let a man examine himself. Look at 31. If we would judge ourselves. There's a look back. There's a look around. There's a look forward. But there better be a look inward. You got to clear your mind. You got to clear your heart. You got to clear everything that you've got on your plate. All your to-do lists need to go onto the side burner. And they need to stay there. The Lord's Supper is over, and you got to look inward and do business with the Lord. That's why we do the Lord's Supper. We try to give some personal time for each and every one of us to look inward. If I just talk the whole time, or preach the whole time, or read verses the whole time, or sing hymns the whole time, I never get a chance to sit down and look inward. I got to examine myself. I'm not here to examine you. You got to examine yourself, not me. We have to do our own personal inventory. It's the way God wants it. You got to look back. You got to look around. You got to look forward. But you've got to look in. Lastly, there's the manner of often. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread. There's no law or command that you got to do it every Sunday. Each local assembly has liberty. So we've thought this through and said, well, if you do it once a week, people may start to lose the value of it. They might not see it as important. There's the concern that it would lose meaning. Well, is that a law? Is that a command? No. <laughs> Some do it every Sunday. You know, and you think about it, you say, well, what if we do it once a year? Okay, well, if somebody misses, then it's two years till they, <laughs> they miss the second time. It's three years until they. So he said, well, let's try to find a, a middle ground. Let's do it once a month. It's not so much that people would lose meaning or concern. Were you saying if you do it once a week, people would? No, it's not a law. It's not a command. Each local assembly has to make a decision. You go to another local assembly, you go to another New Testament church, and they do it once, once a Sunday. They're not violating scripture. We're not violating scripture. There's pros and cons to both. Which one's right? Yes. <laughs> They're both right. They're both right. Because you don't have a clear command as often means once a week, often means once a day, often means once a month, often means biannually, often means quarterly. You don't have that in the Bible. So it says 
the manner should all should also be we'll close with should be often often all right let's pray thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of pilgrim baptist church we look forward to seeing you in the next episode In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.